are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week alongside Matt Sheehan of Locked On Spartans. I'm Nate Dickinson, happy to bring you the show here today. Coming up on the program, we're talking recruiting as the classes for 2022, at least as far as the rankings go online, have been finalized. We, we take, a, take a little look at where everyone stands going into next season. We've talked a lot about coming and going basketball players in the Big Ten already, but not quite diving into this particular recruiting class just yet. So, Matt, before we dive into any of that here and what I have, this is something that I wanted to talk about with you because you already talked about it on your show on Locked On Spartans. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. What did you see when you took a look at where everyone has their recruits marked up at? It's it's not a grand sweeping take. Uh, for the whole conference, it's, it's solid. Pretty, pretty good overall. And, you know, maybe I'm looking at this through green stained glasses as Michigan State right now in the conference. They have the eighth ranked uh, class just in the Big Ten, not nationally, uh, just in the Big Ten. So maybe I'm looking at it in the lens of like, oh, good to see these teams like Penn State and Nebraska and Purdue. Good to see them ahead of the mighty Michigan State Spartans. But on a real note, like it's it's solid. I think what we're looking at three classes in the top 10 nationally. Uh, yes, Michigan is 10th. Illinois ninth, Ohio State sixth. And if I can count correctly, I would have added the fourth one, which is Indiana at number eight. So four Big Ten teams in the top 10 nationally. That's that's pretty solid there. Uh, not a lot to complain about. Yes, next year might be a little down year for the Big Ten as a whole on the court, but hey, it's, it's about to get turned around pretty quick. So 24-7 sports recruiting rankings say. So this is uh, going to be a little blip next year. Do you think that this recruiting class reflects what you've been talking about, about this conference potentially having that kind of down year? It seems like there's a lacking of those elite kind of uh, real classes that, I mean, you talk about the Michigan class from last year. That was the class that was like, okay, Michigan's going to be on a national stage. It doesn't seem like at the very least there's any of those classes here, even though those are hard to ask for and come by. Yeah, no, these are solid, fundamental, uh, foundational Big Ten classes where, yeah, I'm sure, look, I'm sure that some, you know, teams are going to have these kids that shine in year one. But for the most part, these classes are loaded with kids that are going to be two, three-year players. Like, just look at Ohio State. Like, that is a team that has the number six rated recruiting class, but four, four stars. So, like, I don't necessarily think that you'll get a Malachi Branham, for example, right out of the gates, just stunting to start the Big Ten play. But you get to year two, year three, that's going to help. That's going to help build continuity, especially in the Chris Holtman era that, you know, saw some good things last year. But, OK, see you, Branham. Good, good luck in the league. And then like EJ Liddell going to the league as well. So it's like, oh, boy, OK, we got to replace every year. But no, if you can get these classes with a lot of four stars in it. I've seen this at Michigan State time and time again. We talked a few years ago, unfortunately, but that's a good way to build foundational success here in college basketball. So, yeah, I, I would I'd be jazzed if I was any of those four teams with top ten classes. Indiana is a team that may have, if you're looking at it and looking for someone who can be that kind of elite player right away, Indiana may have the candidates. You mentioned Ohio State, yeah. top recruiting class, but for four stars, Indiana has the second best recruiting class in the conference, only two players in it, but 
two of them four stars, or I'm sorry, two five-star players in it, uh, four players overall coming out of this class, two five-stars, a four-star, and a three-star here too. It's Malik Renault, Jalen Hood, Shafino. Those are two guys who are at least supposedly going to be part of what makes Indiana really good again after being a bubble team last year, along with Trace Jackson Davis being back again too. How much of that pressure can you think you can put on a guy like that at the freshman year when you're being an Indiana team that, of course, college basketball always has the one and dones, but there's more than just the individual pressure on these guys as they're coming in, I feel like. This just seems like every year for Indiana, just like you're saying, right? Like, I mean, oh, Romeo Langford, he's going to be the guy, or like Christian Lander, he's going to be the guy. I mean, so it's just next man up. But hey, listen, sometimes it works out. Sometimes these freshmen are immediately ready to play. But man, it's tough being a true freshman playing at a program, just regardless, on the baseline, even if you're a five-star, it's very hard. I saw that with my team last year in Max Christie. That's even ramped up when you're playing for a program like Indiana, which I don't know if you know this, a little extra pressure playing basketball in Bloomington. So, yeah, maybe sometimes it's get a little too bright for these freshmen, but that is massive help getting Trace Jackson Davis back for next year. And it's also become one of my favorite traditions. Like the, the year is going to be 2029. It's going to be April. And there's going to be a tweet across my timeline that says uh, Trace Jackson Davis to enter name an NBA draft, uh, keeping his college eligibility. And then he returns. Like this has been what th- going on three years now of this. So, but now he's actually experienced. He's going to be a dominant player next year. So a lot of the pressure is taken off of some of these young guys. Like that wasn't there with uh, the last few five-star recruits that have gone to Indiana. So, I like, I like the situation for these guys a lot more this year than I have in recent years. So that's kind of where I stand on that. I mean, unfortunately, because that means good things for Indiana and I don't like when Indiana does well, but give me a good team next year, Nate. Give me a good team. We mentioned this is the last kind of set rankings for what is the 24 seven sports composite rankings, at least out mm-hmm. in basketball recruiting. So that's why we talk about it right now, but these yep. things can still change, of course. Is there ways for like a team like Michigan State, say, who's lacking behind maybe right now? Are they trying to get better still? Are they? I, I, I was about to ask you the question, Nate. Are they? I don't know. It's been a pretty quiet offseason here between. Uh, we've had this assistant coaching hiring that's been open for the better part of four or five weeks now. Transfer portal has been crickets and right now look we're only looking at an essentially a, a two-man class yes Michigan State did add a third player it's going to red shirt he doesn't even have a rating in 24-7 sports right now so I don't know if, if it gets any better the, the glass half full for Michigan State right here if I could just hijack this conversation here for a little bit is that yes they are the eighth rated class in the Big Ten per 24-7 sports but if you go from average like recruiting ranking they have the highest average. Now, yes, it is just two kids, which is why they're down an eighth. Like, th- this is the whole formula here. It's a combination of how many kids you got coming in and how many stars these kids have coming in. Right now, they have two middle to high four-star kids, so they do have the highest <laughs> ranking. But then you, you pour out the, the water, and now it's not even half empty. It's just all the way empty, and you realize that, oh, yeah, it's a two-kid class, and we're leaving, like, a lot of scholarships on the table. We're about to be going into the 2023 class with like seven scholarship availabilities if uh, no transfers come or anything like that. So fascinating times here in East Lansing. I know I just deviated way offline of your question, but had to hijack and talk about my, my Spartans for a little bit there. 
Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online is the one stop shop for all of your sports gambling. If you're looking for somewhere to go to just get information on where to put your money for the bets, head on over to betonline.net. You can also go to Bet Online, of course, to get those bets placed. Get all sorts of bets and any sort of bet that you want to get placed as well, too. Whether you're trying to get props in on strikeouts or something like that in the baseball season. Over or unders for points in basketball playoff games coming up. Or, of course, just your classic overall Vegas lines. They have it all there at Bet Online. It's everything that you could need, and it looks pretty good on their site, too. Again, at BetOnline.net. If you've been gambling online for a while now, you know that not all those sites really look all that great and really even let you know what you're doing all that well. But BetOnline is not one of them. It's really, really a great place to try and get started. Or if you're an experienced sports gambler, head on over right now again to BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, it's a good segue into just a conversation about how everyone should be thinking yeah. about their schools in general. Because, I mean, we could talk about Indiana and Ohio State and the schools who quite honestly are in competition for five-star players in the Big Ten. Yeah. But even, again, Michigan State's not someone who would be out of that conversation on a daily basis. But if you're a team like Michigan State who's bringing in the four stars and then maybe high three stars, too, to the Big Ten mm-hmm. Conference, what is it that you're looking at to try and be like, okay, how do I know that this is the right guy for us and this is the four star that's going to make us better over some other guy? Because, I mean, the five stars are the five stars. The four stars, mm-hmm. we talked about it earlier this week, talking a little bit more about football stuff. Like, there's a huge, huge range of players that qualify as four star recruits when it's all said and done. It's not like the top of the right. top where you have those five star guys and you're just like, you know, these are the cash, cash them in ones. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you bring it up because I had this conversation with a guest on my podcast the other week. His name's John Kirby, just fantastic work. He brought up this point too that I, I think is going you know hand in hand with what you're saying, is that I think especially with transfer portal these days, like, and yes, you have the 13 scholarship limit. I, I don't think that you're going to be getting 13 scholarship kids that all expect to just impact the team from day one. I think we're going to scale back the clock to like say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We could argue about this another time, but where like maybe scholarships 11, 12, and 13, if you do fill those, are more of project kids, like your high three stars, for example, maybe your low four stars, kids that understand, which is very hard, of course, I would hate to be, you know, a high school kid, making it rain for my high school team and being told like, hey, come here, it's a great program, you're going to have fun here, but you're also going to be here for like three, four years before you really start to have a role here. And the best example that we had for Michigan State is this new kid, uh, six foot 11 kid, Carson Cooper from IMG Academy, doesn't even play on IMG's first team, plays on their second team, but he's starting to get his coordination. He's starting to come up through the recruiting rankings. This is the kind of kids, though, and this speaks for other programs, too, like Minnesota, for example, and Iowa, for example, that you're not maybe going to fill out 13 scholarships just studs, because let's be honest, four of those kids are going to leave after one year if they expect to play, and they don't. It's more so going to be kids now that are going to be projects, and I think that's kind of what we saw in like the mid 2000s, maybe early 2010s. And we're just getting back to that by way of the transfer portal. And I don't think it's a bad thing for programs necessarily. I think you do need some somewhat continuity there, some some projects, kids that are in the program for like two, three years, used to the coaching, expectations, all that stuff. So yeah, hopefully that was a long rambly way of uh, answering that question there. But yeah, I thought that was a fascinating conversation point that my guest brought up earlier this week. Yeah. 
Well, is there room for that? I mean, you have, you talk about the transfer portal, there's going to be just packed rosters right now, right? So if you're Mm -hmm. talking about scholarship players, yeah, even if they're only there for like a year or two out of that transfer portal, I mean, there's still guys who are taking up spots. I mean, the stuff that you're talking about waiting three, four years, yeah, those project guys come along and you put them on the bench. But at the same time, a lot of what you're discussing, I I hear it and I'm thinking like, that's kind of what walk-ons are for. Yeah, I, I, and I totally agree with that, but it's it, it's going to be tough just to always depend on the transfer portal too. And I, listen, I'm sure. Right, I, I, I just mean like right program. now. Yeah, no, and I get because the transfer portal isn't always something you can rely on. Sure, it, it works for some teams, right? Like Minnesota was able to to pack a court last year by way of transfer portal kids, and sure, like listen, it wasn't a banner season for them, but you know, it, it they got to where they realistically could have gotten in year one under uh, a new coach over there. So it's tough to always rely on transfer portal because listen, and I know that I am just going on and on about my own team, but we have a lot of cautionary tales. Unfortunately, it's right now we're not getting anyone out of the transfer portal. We need a big man. So does Ohio state. So does a few big 10 teams, but there's no big men to be had. So maybe having that kid that comes in as like a lowly three-star kid or a highly rated three-star kid and then works his way up. At least he's there. At least he's on your cupboard and there to unlock. So you don't have to roll the dice and pray to God that a center likes your team enough, A, to take a phone call from you, B, to visit your program, and then C, to commit all in the transfer portal season because we're getting all that right now in, in East Lansing in the transfer portal season. So when I see this kid come in, it's like, is he going to be anything in year one, two, or three? No, but maybe by year four, we're not praying to God that, any six foot 10 kid or taller comes to Michigan state because we already got one luckily. So again, I, I know I'm talking about my team, but I think that this can be said for any, not any, but most programs in the big 10, especially ones that maybe don't kill it necessarily in upper echelon recruiting. So that's, yeah, it's fun times. Nate. It's great times. Yeah. I realize I'm asking the question about packing rosters to the team that still has to fill up uh, about half of its in Michigan state. So it, it it's obviously two sides of the coin here. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Who do you I'm, think I'm is be best here for them? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said to get that off. Who, who do you think is best right now? Which recruiting class would you want to have if you were just, I guess all uh, everything else's side needs and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough to argue against Indiana. Listen, and I know Ohio state's ranked uh, ahead of them in 24 seven sports, but yeah, something shiny about two, five stars really hits the eye. Right. And especially, you know, they have another four-star kid, another three-star kid, but yeah, it, listen, if, if you're an Ohio state, Illinois, or Michigan, you, you're not sweating too much uh, about your class right now. Now Penn state, on the other hand, don't necessarily hate what they're doing right now. Cause they're ranked 35 overall in the country, which is dandy. Now, of course, I, no one's right inside the top 100, but if it's going to be an honest dialogue, like Penn State isn't, you know, this premier program, but they got a solid class and also one from like every position too. They, they got the combo guard. They got the point guard. They got a shooting forward. They got two centers. So it, it's a good class. And I don't know, it's not unheard of that we see Penn State have kids that in year two, year three come from these four-star kids or highly rated three-star kids to be in solid players. And yes, I know that coaches have changed in, uh, you know, over there in happy Valley, but it just seems to be a tradition that Penn state has. And yeah, for them to have a 35 rated class in the country, like I'm not complaining if I'm a Nittany line basketball fan right there. Now, if if it was football, yeah, I'd be a little upset if I was a Penn state fan, but no, it's basketball. And 
you are what you are. And that's a really good class though for, for Penn state, I think. I mean, so I just had to give a nod to my Nittany lines over there. There we go. Yeah. It's right now again, fifth in the class one, four star three or well, yes, one, four star four, three star recruits for Penn state. Uh, I mean, brings up the opportunity to kind of discuss, is there a path? Is there any path that's like less than five years long for these kind of Penn states, Northwestern's, <sighs> Rutgers teams to like even get into the conversation here because there's been a big conversation about how like uh, I mean Maryland yeah. it started Maryland's started to get there a little bit but even they fall off too these teams that get added right. into the Big Ten they they really have a hard time latching on on the basketball court. I'll tell you what next year's a great launch pad right i mean it's it's gonna be prime for the picking it's gonna be some ugly basketball and i'm sorry I, I feel like i come on every week and talk about how miserable the year is gonna be next year big 10 play but um i feel like yeah th this is a good launch pad for teams to especially teams with new ish coaches like you know teams like penn state teams like minnesota um <laughs> you want to get nuts here maybe even a team like nebraska that's right to show the nation that no me Mr. Hoiberg, I am not a fraud. I am going to get this team in the right direction here. So maybe you show some sparks next year. That'd be nice if like one or two of those programs could do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just hard with recruiting, especially if you're relying on, you know, four-star kids, which are still good players and three-star kids. It's hard to rely on them to really get right off the bat and start killing it for your team. So yeah, that's fact. Yeah. I feel bad saying that, but it's kind of fact of the matter. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it is. It's just the fact of the matter. We talked about it in football yeah. recruiting on Tuesday because Ohio State sure. picked up the big five-star recruit in the 2024 class. Oh, good for them. Good. 2020, <laughs> 2021 five-star that they had behind Quinn Ewers to fill in after C.J. Stroud. It, it's just you have those programs doing that year in and year out, and then every other year Ohio State's getting the pick of its four-star quarterback at once. And then you have like a, a sure. Minnesota I used as an example. They needed to – not only have that program built up for however many years and then PJ Fleck goes on the 10 win season. And then, and only then does Minnesota get its first four-star quarterback commit in the last decade. And it, it just so right. happens to be a guy who I, I believe it was a Minnesota native in the backyard, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that actually. But anyway, it's it sure. just an uphill battle. If you're not at the top and haven't been spending the last 50 years getting to the top, it, it takes a long, long time to try and get there. And, uh, I guess maybe it's a little bit better and easier in basketball to try and do it over the course of a couple of years than in football. Yeah. But still really, really hard to try and compete when you got the Indianas, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the names that you're going to have to go up against in this Big Ten. Right. And especially, you know, Brad Underwood doing great work at Illinois, like turning the program around. It's it's that too, right? Like when you're one of these programs that aren't really expected to do much on the basketball court, like I, I hate to say Penn State over and over again, or Nebraska, for example, Rutgers, if I can mix it up. Mm -hmm. It sucks like, okay, when it's time for us to start getting on top of things, like a, a sleeping giant like Illinois gets waking up, right? Or like Purdue is starting to do, like do great things on the court as well. And unfortunately, Chris Holtman is doing good things at Ohio State too. Like, it's like, oh, great. They, they couldn't sleep for a few more years. Like they just had to get waking up. But so yeah, that just makes it even tougher. Not to make it even more negative for uh, the uh, bottom tier of the Big Ten listeners here. But uh, hey, that's, uh, we're here to talk honesty like adults, you know? <laughs> that's, that's it, so. Hey, go, go prove us wrong, though. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what's great about the Big Ten is that these recruiter rankings do prove us wrong pretty much all the time. Uh, it's all yeah. sorts of – I mean, anyone can come out and 
beat anyone on any given night, especially on the basketball court. That's been proven year in and year out, and that's not going to stop oh, yeah. anytime soon. So <laughs> we'll see more chaos out there this fall, no matter who it is that ends up being on the court. But Matt, thanks again for joining us for a little bit to talk some on this Big Ten recruiting trail. I mean, again, we're far from done. It was just that these are like oh, the yeah. final, I guess. What is it exactly? They've, they're just done ranking kids in this class. They're moving yeah. on. This is it. 2022 class might as well be dead to 24-7 sports. They are done with them. The, the rankings are set in stone. Go be free in college. Do what you got to do because we don't care about you. We're on to 2023 and 24 and 25, baby. That's right. So that's uh, essentially what's going on in the recruiting world here. Most everyone who is coming in has already signed all those letters and all that stuff anyway. Transfer portals where yeah. the big money is going to be made the rest of the offseason. And we'll have plenty more to discuss with that, I'm sure, is again, still plenty of players who still have to make their decisions on that end. Uh, again, Matt, thanks again for joining the show. He's on Locked on Spartans every single weekday. And of course, at Sheehan underscore sports is the Twitter if you want to stay up to date on whatever's going on in his head on a daily basis, too. It's nothing good. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come, come for funny internet videos. And uh, once football season comes an emotionally unstable man on Twitter, that's right. That's where to find me. So Nate, you're the man. Appreciate talking as always. Looking forward to seeing you next week again, Matt. Thanks as always. You got it. Thanks again to Matt Sheehan for joining the show today. While we wrap things up, a look at all the news around the big 10 and we'll start with the big 10 softball tournament. Starting up yesterday, and we have scores to report, of course, if you haven't been paying attention to the tournament. First games yesterday, final results from Wednesday's action. Penn State defeats Indiana, final score 2-1. to one. Ohio State beats Purdue, final score 8 to nothing. Wisconsin beat Minnesota in a shutout, 2 to nothing as well. And finally, Maryland beat Michigan State, 7-1. to one. In today's action, Nebraska faces off against Penn State, Ohio State plays Illinois, Wisconsin plays Northwestern, and Maryland plays Michigan. Those are the games on the schedule for today in the Big Ten Tournament. Only other thing I wanted to touch on, just reports with the ACC reportedly looking at getting rid of divisions and people looking at whether or not the Big Ten should or could do something like it too. I don't really have major thoughts on it. I just think that you have to remember that the goal of the Big Ten, no matter what, is not really primarily to keep us happy, right? Because the Big Ten championship game has been great, but I feel like if you were trying to keep the fans happy, you'd be wanting to keep it a little bit more competitive in that kind of way. If you're thinking about trying to keep people in competition for the college football playoff, there is an improvement to be made here, right? Because at the moment at least the last couple of years here, if Michigan this year or Ohio State in years past had been upset in that Big Ten title game, it would have been the Big Ten left out of the college football playoff. The Big Ten West, quite frankly, is not bringing up playoff contenders. The side of the conference beats up on each other too much, and quite frankly, even if there had been one team that was winning all of its games, like, say, in Iowa was for a stretch of the season last year, that Hawkeye team never looked like it was ready to compete at the national level in a way that an Ohio State, a Michigan, or a couple of other teams even on that east side of the Big Ten had. If you can get to a point where you're at a Big Ten championship game where you have either team that wins makes it no matter what, that's an improvement if you ask me. And if you're trying to be just a fan again and get the best game possible, 
that helps me too. Maybe get a Michigan-Ohio State Big Ten championship game in there. Something along those lines. I don't know. But at the moment, you have a weak spot. You have a vulnerability if you're the Big Ten as far as making sure you get teams in this college football playoff as it stands. At the moment, that weakness is basically just there's a chance that somebody wins the last game of the season every year that could not be in that Final Four or even close as we saw this year and plenty of years in the past. Now, we haven't really had an Ohio State nor Michigan fumble that back so far either. But when it were to happen, you'd see the Big Ten get out of that group of four teams that are in there, and it's not always that easy to get yourself back in. Again, the Big Ten's still the Big Ten, but I feel like if you're trying to make sure that you have the most representation all the time, Maybe changing the format somewhat and getting away from what you have right now, which is risky if you ask me, could be a little bit helpful. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more here on Locked on Big Ten about anything that happens in the conference during the day. Of course, more softball for us to get to as the tournament continues this week. That's coming up right here on Locked on Big Ten as we get back to you with more tomorrow.